0: Regions believes that being a bank means serving the community. Regions is shining the light on local food banks as they feed our neighbors in need. See how you can help at regions.com slash The Regions branches are open by drive-thru or lobby appointment only. Bank safely and securely from almost anywhere with Regions Online banking or mobile banking. Data rates may apply. Regions Bank, member FDIC. The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Vistar Credit Union. We never forget that it's your money. And ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Always be celebrating.
1: This is the Duly Noted Podcast.
0: We're going to talk some college FN football.
1: Everything Florida Gators.
0: Put that in your pipe. With your host. It's my podcast and I'll cry if I want to. Hey! Welcome into another edition of the Duly Noted Podcast. I actually had somebody uh, text me saying that they didn't like the way that I always start out saying okay. And there's, it's an homage to Steve Spurrier because that's the way he started every press conference. Now, I've been doing it that way for three or four years or five years. I don't even know how long I've been doing this podcast. But okay. So <laughs> that's the way it's going to be. Sorry to be late with this podcast. We wanted to do one podcast uh, to send you into the Thanksgiving holidays, and uh, and then we'll do one more Tuesday. Tuesday, it's going to be me and Robbie. Uh, that'll be our final fo- podcast, and then we'll turn in our badges and walk out the door and be uh, no longer be Gainesville Sun employees. Um, it's going to be a sad moment. It will be for me. I think Robbie's more ready than I am to get out of here, but uh, anyway. Alright, let's talk about, because we're going to talk about the Florida game and the Kentucky game and the college football playoffs and and uh, the spreads as we always do. Uh, we have a great guest today, Pat Forty from Sports Illustrated, who I, uh, of all the writers in this business, I respect him the most. I've stolen a lot of ideas from him and he's the best. And so we'll, we'll talk to him in a little bit about college football and college basketball. Obviously, the Florida uh, football game. I know there were a lot of people. Like, on our radio show, the first call we got was negative, 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 (laughs) negative, negative. And the next call we got, the guy said, hey, I can't believe you didn't use your line. Nobody suffers winning like Gator fans. I said, well, it's almost becoming a cliché. It's gotten to the point where, yes... Gator fans suffer winning, I get it, but you know, it's it's gotten to be the it's happening all the time. And look, you won by three touchdowns, quarterback only threw three touchdown passes, and people are not happy. And I look, I get it in a way, okay? I get that you want your team to be ridiculously good. You want your team to take a, a care of a winless team even though it's an 11 o'clock start, even though you had a, a routine that was not like anything you've ever experienced as a player, you dressed in the hotel, you came to the game very late, you, you had your, your warm-ups, and then you at halftime, you didn't even go in the locker room. And after the game, you didn't go to the locker room. It was weird, and the whole weirdness of it is 2020, but... You still found a way to win the game and you didn't play your best. and so I think you got to take that for what it's worth. Um, I, I think give those guys credit for getting through that. Vanderbilt played hard. Vanderbilt's going to play hard because Derek Mason won't let him play any other way. They got a good freshman quarterback. Now look, I, I, I'm like you, I'm sitting there watching the game at the beginning and I'm like, God what is wrong with this defense? Why can't they cover people? But one thing I pointed out in my column, and I think this is true, is that teams are going to make better plays against you than they'll make against other teams. And that sounds crazy, but I've been around this for a long time. I have been covering the Gators since I was in college. My first story I ever wrote was in 1975 for the St. Augustine Record about Florida's field getting Uh, New Artificial Turf. That's the very first story I had published, 1975. So I've been around it a lot, and I know what it is like. Most teams, most programs in this conference really hate the Gators, and they want to play their best against them. And when they go out there, they're not playing against necessarily this year's team, although this year's team's gotten so much hype and so much pub it, it does. It, it adds to their adrenaline. But they're playing against the 96 team, too. They're playing against Tebow. I tried to tell this to people about basketball. When when teams go out to play against Florida, they're playing against the O 4s They're not playing against the guys that are playing now. Now, that's a part of it. And you want to play well against, the you know, you have to know what, the, what these guys are doing. But you're playing against a tradition. It's like when teams play against Notre Dame. Now, obviously Notre Dame's got a really good team this year, but there've been years when they haven't been good. But the teams played just as hard against them because it was Notre Dame. Florida's got that tradition too. It's it's that way in softball. It's that way in baseball. Uh, the Florida is a bit of an outsider in in the SEC. They're an outlier. I mean, because they're a different place than everywhere else. Do you think Gainesville is like Fayetteville or Starkville or anywhere? I mean, uh, in this conference. I mean, Nashville is different from Gainesville, but in a different way. Nashville is not like anything else in the SEC. Columbia, Missouri is different than Gainesville. Athens is probably the closest thing to Gainesville. My point being that Florida has always been the team that everybody liked to beat. And the more success Florida's had winning all the all, all sports trophies just continues to uh, accelerate that. So that was the point of what I was talking about. I know it was a long time ago and you probably are freaking out. Uh, but what is Dooley doing? Is he lost his mind in his last week? No. But Vanderbilt wasn't going to come out and not play hard. And they, weren't gonna, they were going to play well. There were no fans there, they didn't care. There was loud, crappy music being played. It sounded like somebody a spaceship was landing. They didn't care. They were going to play the hardest they could play, and sometimes Florida struggles with that, and they certainly struggle with that at the beginning. Am I happy with the way the defense is playing? No, I don't think they're playing very well. They have their spurts where they play well. The last eight possessions that Vanderbilt had, they had one score. That's it, one touchdown. Now, it was a bad touchdown. Two, two safeties totally missed tackles. That shouldn't have happened. Um, but other than that, they played pretty well after that their bad start. Look, you're, I, and I, I've said this several times, your defense is what it is. Uh, I can't explain a lot of it. I do know that having guys in and out with injuries, I know and academics and COVID and all that, I think all that affects it. I think the fact that I do believe strongly that teams that because you couldn't hit in the spring and then you're afraid to hit now because if you hit now and you get injuries and you also get people out with COVID, your team could be decimated as we've seen around the country with different teams. Um, You know, just Mississippi State showing up with 48 guys, you know, to uh, scholarship players to play against uh, Georgia. So, uh, some and somebody asked me about that. The rule was supposed to be 53, right? You had to have 53 scholarship players, but it's still your choice. If you want to play with 22, you can play, but you don't have to play, and it's not considered a forfeit, Dabo. Um, so, um, but the bottom line is, Florida still played well enough to win. We saw great things out of uh, Kadarius Tony. Uh, you know, Gamble became the tight end of choice. For the game, and Florida got the win. They won comfortably, and at the at the end of the day, that's what you have to look at. This is something I'm going to probably write about for Saturday. Uh, I only have three columns left for the paper. I'm going to write a Saturday column. I'm going to write a game column Saturday from Sunday, and then Monday I'm going to write the farewell column. And um, I hope you read that because it's gonna it's going to be very heartfelt as Johnny Carson said when he, when he left. Heartfelt. That's a perfect word. All right, so um, Florida wins the game. They take care of business, and that's the thing I keep telling people. Look, Florida was not, you know, oh, I don't know, that defense against Alabama is going to get killed. I'm, I'm a little concerned with how we weren't able to run the ball against Alabama. Shut up about Alabama. First of all, Alabama's got to get there. Now, I know they're probably going to beat Auburn this week, but now Nick Saban has tested positive for Corona. I don't think it'll have a, a big effect on the game, but Auburn always plays them tough. Um, it's a different game. It's kind of like LSU text A&M this week. Like, LSU's a big underdog, and LSU, if you look at all the numbers, I agree, but it's going to be it's a different game. Florida FSU. Uh, Florida, Georgia. I mean, all these games that are rivalry games that we see every year are different games. They're different than what we're used to. All right, I'm going to take a break. When I come back, we'll talk about Kentucky, um, and we will also get into a little bit about quarterbacks I want to talk about and, of course, the spreads and three things. I'm going to give you a special three things as as my last um, three things. I probably won't do one next week when we uh, do the uh, show with Robbie to uh, end it. Uh, but this, these three things are going my three favorite Kentucky games since Florida's playing Kentucky this week. You're listening to the Duly Noted podcast at Gatorsports.com.
1: If you're a Gator fan who believes that more convenience is better, join ViStar and bank any way you want at a branch on a mobile device or at one of more than 20,000 fee-free ATMs across North America. We believe that people have better things to do with their time. At ViStar, we never forget that it's your money. Proud partner of the Florida Gators. All loans subject to approval. Insured by NCUA. You know, life today is kind of a lot. We're always forced to be on. But every now and then, it's important to just stop. Crack open a mountain-cold Coors Light and chill out. So when you choose to turn off, choose the one beer that's literally made to chill. Coors Light. Coors Light is brewed with the three-step cold process. It's cold lagered, cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. The mountains on Coors Light cold-activated bottles and cans turn blue when chilled to perfection. When your game is on this weekend, or any game for that matter. Make sure your refrigerator is stocked up with the one beer that's made to chill, Coors Light. When life has got you on the go, 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 take a minute, relax, and enjoy a cold Coors Light. You can even have Coors Light delivered to your door by going to get.coorslight.com. Coors Light, celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Bring game day tailgates home this season after a stop at ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Stock up your huddle with beer, hard seltzers, your favorite wine, or something sparkling. ABC is Florida family-owned and has been getting Gator fans ready for kickoff since 1936. Head inside one of their 125 stores around the state or try their curbside service by ordering online at abcfws.com. ABC Access loyalty members can save $10 on wine, 10% on beer and hard seltzers, and earn points toward $5 coupons. ABC, always be celebrating.
0: Okay, uh, appreciate everybody uh, for listening. And, uh, you know, look, Again, with what I talked about earlier, Florida cannot beat Alabama Saturday. You guys are going to be all you know, eating your turkey sandwiches, sitting around the TV watching it. Don't don't worry about what, because I know you're going to do this. Alabama beat them sixty three to three. We're only up thirty five to fourteen. You're going to do that. It's it's human nature. But every game to its own game, don't worry about it. It ain't going to be about what happens here. The key, the key, the only key, is to beat Kentucky Saturday. That's it. It's the only thing that matters. Get guys, hopefully guys get out of it healthy. Kyle Pitts comes back. I'm curious to see how he plays. Whether he, I don't think he's the kind of guy that will shy away from contact because of of that hit he took. Uh, and missed two games. As Dan Mellon said, he was trying to get back last week and play, but they wanted to sit him out a game. And again, in that case, that could be have contributed to maybe why Florida wasn't, you know, maybe a little flack. Kyle Pitts wanted to play, but we'll hold you out because, you know, it's Vanderbilt. If that was Georgia, do you think he would have played? You know, that that, that kind of thing gets into the players' heads too. But that's that's irrelevant. But but with uh, Kyle Pitts back this week, um, and we don't know what's going on with Kentucky. We don't know where they they are with COVID. We don't know where they are with injuries. They got a bunch of guys. Like a lot of receivers are hurt, um, and then they've got you know their best running back Rodriguez uh, had contact tracing issues. One of their starting offensive linemen. They've got a. I think their lead tackler uh, is also out. But are they going to be back in time for this game? We don't know the answer to that. We may not find that out until right before the game, and you may have to get the binoculars out to see if you see those the numbers of those players. Um, but still, whether they're back or not, and, and, and to be honest with you, you hope they're back. You want to play Kentucky at their best. You want to play everybody at their best. And you have to understand that you feel for those players, too, you know, that aren't, aren't able to play. You have to feel for them. Um, and in a lot of cases, guys who aren't even infected, guys who aren't sick at all, have not tested positive, and they can't play the sport that they came back to play. I, I totally feel for them. Um, so we'll see what Kentucky has. Now, in Kentucky – Alabama game was not that as lopsided as the score because I mean Kentucky's getting ready to go in to take the lead in the second quarter and they they and play calling was a little bit shaky and then they try a field goal and they snap it over the guy's head and it ends up just leading to an Alabama touchdown and the snowball gets going and when you're Alabama it's a, you, you've got the ability to make that you've got a lot of people pushing that snowball down the hill uh, with the talent that they have. When you're Kentucky and you're down so many players, you're even you even were considering not playing the game. It's impossible to stop that snowball once it gets going. You're just getting rolled over by it. Uh, but look, here Kentucky is what Kentucky is, and and I mentioned earlier that I think Florida's defense is what it is. When we get to this point in the season, I think Kentucky is what it is. Uh, I think they'll play hard in this game. I don't I don't question that with Mark Stoops as their coach. But they're 11th in offense. They're 14th in passing. Their defense is pretty good. Their their pass defense, they have the second most interceptions in the country. I mean, not in the country. In the SEC, they have 12. You know who's number one? Arkansas. How'd that work out for Arkansas? So the fact that they have a lot of interceptions doesn't scare me. It shouldn't scare you as a Florida fan. After Arkansas gave up 63 with the number one Pass defense in terms of interceptions, they they will probably. I mean, look, your coach knows what he's doing. He'll find ways to get guys open, and guys will have to make t- some tough catches. And the quarterback will have to play well. They've got a pretty good defensive line. Your offensive line's got to play good. It's all the same things, with the exception of them being able to throw the ball with any consistency. They've got three of the top, I think it's fifteen rushers in the SEC. Now, we don't know if Rodriguez is going to play. Rose probably will. Terry Wilson, the quarterback, is, is I think, 15th in, in rushing. And that's what they do. They're a run-oriented team. And and if they are able, the key will be third downs. Don't let them pick up third downs. You let them get a bunch of third downs, guess what? You, you can't get your offense on the field. It's the same old story. Look, it is the same story we have been dealing with all season. Florida's got a really good offense. The more possessions they get, the more they're going to score. And what they have to do is defensively, they have to stop the run. And if they can do that, uh, Kentucky cannot throw the ball consistently enough, and especially if they fall behind. Kentucky falls behind, and they have to throw, which I don't even know if they will. They, They may just try to keep the score down. But if they have to throw, they're not very good at it. And they're not consistent at it. Kind of like Georgia. So what Florida, and unlike Vandy, which, you know, was very good at throwing the ball. Uh, So what Florida's going to have to do is uh, take advantage of of every possession, make something out of it. Even if you only flip the field, you've got to, you can't be going three and out and you can't let them stay on the field on third down. It's just the simple philosophy, the simple formula to winning games, and it's only about winning this game. I am not. Gonna, I can't say that enough. Today, Saturday, not today, but Saturday is about winning the Kentucky game. It's not about anything else. Don't look at it. Don't try to compare. You're, you're still three weeks away from making those comparisons. That week, we'll talk all about Alabama. There's no point talking about Alabama now. We don't even know who's going to be healthy for that game. We don't know who's not going to have COVID. You don't know. You just don't know. All right, we'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll be joined by Pat Forty from Sports Illustrated, one of my best friends, and um, ah, we have we had some fun on the road in our lives, uh, and that's something I do, I will miss and do miss already because we obviously haven't had that this year. But we'll talk to him um, about some football and some basketball, and then later on we'll get to the spreads and stuff like that. You're listening to the special Thanksgiving edition of the Duly Noted Podcast here at GatorSports.com. The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by ViStar Credit Union. We never forget that it's your money. And ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, always be celebrating. Okay, welcome back to the uh, Duly Noted Podcast. And for my last guest on the podcast, I really wanted to get... One person, and a lot of people say, Why wouldn't you get Spurrier? Why wouldn't you get Mullen? Why wouldn't you get Billy Donovan or somebody like that? But there's one guy that I respect very much in this in our profession and who I have stolen so much stuff from that I felt <laughs> it was necessary to bring on Pat Forty from Sports Illustrated. The back nine, which I do every every week, basically came out of something he does, which is the uh, obviously the 40 minutes and the at one point the 40 yard dash the at the thing at the end where he always talks about having a great beer I decided to make that music so he he he's my mentor on the back nine and I and I appreciate him coming on to our final uh podcast I mean we'll have another one Tuesday with Robbie but this is the last last out of uh, Gainesville sun guest we'll have and uh, Pat thanks so much for being on
2: Man what an honor uh thank you very much Pat Dooley great to be on with you congrats on your Epic run to you and Robbie. I mean, you guys, I guess, have only known each other since the literal day one. So <laughs> uh, pretty cool deal for you guys. And I'm happy to be on with you.
0: Yeah, there are so many great stories I could tell, but I don't think any, a lot of them aren't publishable about the fun we've had. <laughs> Uh, yeah. on the road. I think 2000 may have been the, the highlight. But uh, the, I think so. Yeah, at the NCAA tournament. But uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, what what's going on in the world of football and a little bit in the world of basketball as well, Pat. And obviously Nick Saban's now tested positive again. And uh, this is just a, a daily story with players that aren't going to play, games that aren't going to be played. I know that we all are, are thankful on Thanksgiving we're having some games and somebody's playing, but there have been times when I've said, maybe it's time to shut it down. I don't know if you felt that way at all.
2: Oh, I have, absolutely. Like, is it worth it? And I was actually just uh, having kind of that existential te- uh, text discussion with my colleague Ross Dellinger of like, what – what? How much of this is worth it, and what constitutes a success for college football have to have tried this season? You know, is it is it just getting to a playoff and having a playoff and having bowl games and having conference championships? Is that enough? Uh, or you know, is it is it even just playing five, six, seven, eight to eight, nine games per team? Or, you know, I, I don't know how to decide you know, whether it's all been worth it or not. I mean, some people will say any football is worth it, but it has been, it's been tough. It's been difficult. It's been messy and I'm not sure, you know, back in the spring and the summer, I don't think anybody knew what was the right thing to do. I'm not sure now. In November, anybody knows what's the right thing to do.
0: Yeah, least of all Dabo Sweeney, you know, who is (laughs) who is, uh, won't shut up about this FSU thing, and I I wonder what your take is on that the way he has just basically uh, destroyed the entire city of Tallahassee and all the, the coaches they've ever had there.
2: Oh, it's unbelievable. I mean, to me you know, and Dabo, he's a re- he's an incredible coach. He's got an incredible personal success story, but I think he has somehow kind of conflated himself with a guy that is knows the answers to everything. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is, he's just a football coach. And outside of football... I'm not sure he knows much about anything. He likes to think he does. He likes to talk about a lot of things. And the more he talks about non-football things, the dumber he sounds to me. It sounds more like a guy who just sits in his own Clemson echo chamber with a bunch of people who say, oh, you're right, Coach. Coach, you're, you're right. You're right about everything. And there's a lot of coaches that get in those situations. And I think eventually you, you do start declaring yourself an expert on all things. But, you know, let this thing go. I mean, we are in the middle of a pandemic. Hundreds of thousands of people have died. There's been, you know, hospitalizations are up. Cases are up. Everything is up. And you're sitting there complaining because the school didn't feel comfortable with you bringing a player tested positive into their stadium. So, I I mean, I just, I think this is really another example where Dabo's uh, shooting off his mouth on things he doesn't fully either understand or appreciate.
0: Well, and another thing that I don't always understand is the college football playoff when they come out with those first rankings, and I know they're almost meaningless. Um, I, I keep telling Gator fans, don't worry where you are. You win out, you're going to get in. I mean, that's all there is to it. you got to win these last three games and then beat Alabama, which is not going to be easy. And then guess what? You're playing for the, in the national championship playoffs. But uh, certainly there were some things that, that caught my eye. One was Clemson being... Third over Ohio State. The other was how low BYU was.
2: Yeah, um, I I agree with Clemson over Ohio State. I don't agree with how low BYU was. I thought, I thought that uh, BYU got a little bit of uh, short shrift there. And, yeah, the schedule is not good. But if you watch BYU play, I mean, they have, that's a good team. And even taking, you know, consideration of uh, – the 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 competition has not been great. You can watch football teams and know, okay, they're really good and they can make plays that other teams can't play can't make. Their statistical dominance is pretty dramatic. They have the biggest scoring margin uh in the country. They probably have the biggest yards per play margin, which I always think is kind of an interesting stat like You know, are you moving the ball constantly and stopping the other team? And theirs is bigger than Alabama's and bigger than I'm pretty sure anybody else's in that respect. So I feel badly for them. And, you know, I mean, I can't feel that bad for anybody in this because we all knew what kind of mess we're getting into. The committee's just been handed this ridiculously thankless task of trying to figure this out. But... But I just think that that's a little bit out of line. Uh, Clemson ahead of Ohio State, I'm fine with because Trevor Lawrence and several other people didn't play against Notre Dame. You lose in double overtime on the road. You you pounded Miami, which I view as a comparable win to Ohio State over Indiana, which they beat them by seven. The rest of Ohio State's schedule is garbage, so I don't have a problem with putting Clemson ahead of, of Ohio State for now.
0: You mentioned Trevor Lawrence, and I just cannot see a guy who has gone three straight weeks without playing winning the Heisman. Uh, I thought he was going to be a lock going into the season because people wanted to reward him for never losing a regular season game, and he still hasn't. But at some point, you've got to be playing football, and then Justin Fields those three picks last week, and he, they do pull out the game. And now guess who's the favorite? This guy, this backup quarterback at Florida, which is is one of the most amazing stories I've ever dealt with, and it's the kind of story that doesn't makes me not want to walk away from the profession.
2: Sure, oh, it's a great story, Kyle Trask. I mean, you know, I mean, I, the, what what Trask has done is, is awesome. Uh, I mean, you watch him play, and I mean, I remember I remember when Felipe Franks got hurt against Kentucky. And Trask comes in, and you're like, whoa, who's this dude? You know, I mean, he made great plays. He pulled that game out for him, and he's just done nothing but, but play great since then. And, you know, the thing that really impressed me is when, like when Kyle Pitts got rung up on what I thought was a pretty cheap hit in the cocktail party game. It didn't matter. They didn't slow down a beat. You know, he's throwing to all over all the place, to all, all these guys, and then has continued to do so. And, I mean, he's you know, he spreading the ball to eight or ten receivers every game. He is the, a fantastic mix master, great reader of defenses, knows where he wants to go with the ball. and he's, uh, he's, he's a revelation, and you're right, one of the great stories out there that people in our profession love to tell.
0: Ooh, mixmaster! I may, I may steal that too. You know, I'm just looking for things to steal from Pat Forty as I, as I ride off into the sunset. But uh, y- yeah, you know, I remember him going to the game, and Robbie and I were sitting there in the in the press box, going, "Oh, I thought they'd put Emory Jones in, right, right here." But they did. Next thing you know, this guy ends up having this incredible career, um, and it has been uh, amazing. I think, though, w- what we may be looking at. Is an SEC championship game where the winner gets the Heisman?
2: Oh, that's you know what—that's a good point. That uh, that that really could be a, a playoff game in, in multiple different uh, uh, meanings, you know. Because yeah, Mac Jones has been phenomenal, you know. And the thing, obviously, about him is Jalen Waddle goes down, and I thought Jalen Waddle was the best player on that team. And oh, you know, their passing game will probably take a step back. No, nah, not really. You know, I mean, Mac Jones is still ringing it up there, so. Uh, yeah, I mean that a Florida-Alabama SEC championship game that would potentially be like forty to thirty-four with a Heisman on the line. With I think we could work with that, couldn't we? Yeah,
0: yeah exactly. Uh, like that would be a lot of fun. Hey, before I let you go, I don't want to talk to you about a column you wrote this week about your favorite subject, Bruce Pearl. Uh, and sweaty Bruce uh, has, uh, you know, they basically, you know, said, "Oh, we won't play in this postseason. We might not have made it anyway, and we don't even know if there's going to be a postseason. But, but that's going to be our penance. And, and as you pointed out in the column, that's the, that's your last resort to trying to say, please don't hurt us too much. I, I don't know how bad they're going to get hurt. They should get hurt. And, and you can also answer this question: How does Will Wade still have a job?
2: <laughs> well, taking Pearl first and Auburn first, uh, you know, the, to, to me it's just, it's unbelievable because they, they have a notice of allegations from the NCAA and they have refused to even admit it, acknowledge it, release it. They, they've done, just done nothing but hide it and pretend it doesn't exist, which to me, like if you're an Auburn fan, I think most fans at most schools are just like, you know, give it to me straight. You don't have to, you know, or, you, To necessarily blow sunshine up my skirt, just tell us what's good and what's bad. Like, but Auburn is hiding this, and the Auburn fans are just like, "Well, we don't want to know. We don't want to know if we're in trouble. We do not do not tell us. Put your fingers in your ears." I mean, it's it's amazing to me. And uh, beyond that, yeah, this is an indication. Okay, that notice of allegations is bad, and then this stratagem is not going to work. It may get you out of okay. You're This season's a mess, and we're not going to be very good, and our point guard has eligibility issues anyway, so let's take this season off. And then, you know, Pearl's in the release saying, we'll get past this after this year. Oh, no, no. No, the NCAA will decide when you get past it, and I think they could be staring at multiple-year postseason bans from them. So good luck, you know, thinking this is going to make everything go away. As for Will Wade... I don't know, man. <laughs> one of the most amazing things I've seen, him, Bruce Pearl, Sean Miller, Bill Self, have coached right through it. Now, eventually, you know, the posse's coming to town. But so far, uh, it's pretty remarkable. And I did speak with uh, one person in the SEC who said, <laughs> when, when Will Wade comes into our gym, I, I, it's nauseating. It absolutely makes me sick. That's how people around the SEC feel watching Will Wade coaching this year.
0: Well, I thought it said a lot when Joe Oliva was, after he left, and they asked him what was his biggest regret. He goes, hiring Will Wade. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, right. That, that says a lot right there. Uh, yeah. No question about it. Hey, Pat, we appreciate your time as always, uh, and uh, good luck the rest of the way. Hopefully, I'll see you somewhere, and we can hoist one somewhere down the road. But thank,
2: Absolutely. Thank you so much for that joining is- me. My pleasure. That is mandatory. Congrats, <laughs> congrats again on a great run at the Sun. And yes, can, can, uh, best of luck with everything going forward.
0: He's Pat Forty, Sports Illustrated. Read him. He is one of the best writers I think there is. We'll be back with more of the Duly Noted Podcast right after this break. So uh, appreciate Pat Forty from Sports Illustrated. Really appreciate him coming on. Uh, like I said, I, I I thought about who I want to be my last guest. Now my last guest will be Robbie Andrew, who will sit in for the, pretty much the whole podcast. But I wanted to get Pat because Pat, like I said, I, I've taken a lot of ideas from him. And again, I didn't steal them; I borrowed them, and I made them different, which is you're allowed to do. Um, and uh, I I have great admiration for him as a writer as well. Um, what I don't have admiration for are people that mix up their Thanksgiving m- meals. And I found out Dan Mullen does that. I'm a little, I'm a little disturbed with that. You eat your turkey then you eat your mashed potatoes then you eat your squash and you eat your stuffing and you eat your cranberry sauce. You don't just mix it all into a big ugly pile and start shoveling it in. That's what 12 year olds do. I'm a little concerned about him. I don't know how how Thanksgiving is for you, and you may be listening to this after Thanksgiving. You've already had your Thanksgiving meal. But to me, there's only two keys. And like a lot of people, it's all about sides and all that. But there are two keys. One, you have to have stuffing that has su- spicy sausage in it, and it's moist. And when you eat it, it, it tastes like nirvana in your mouth, right? That's, that's to me, the key. And secondly, it's got to be a good moist turkey. Nothing worse than dry turkey. Now, if it's a dry turkey, all you do is you say, "I'll wait till tomorrow and have a sandwich." And when you have a sandwich, you can all obviously doll it up and make it whatever you want. But to me, all the other stuff, mashed potatoes, green beans, casserole, blah blah blah, pie, everything, it's all secondary. I like it all. It's all secondary. It's all about the turkey and Good stuffing, and it's hard to make good stuffing. It's easy to make stuffing. All you gotta do is get one of those stove tops, throw it in the water. That's not stuffing. Stuffing has got to be nurtured. It has got to be stuff added to it—spices and especially spicy sausage. That's that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. All right. I don't know how Nick Saban's latest COVID battle. This one sounds like it's severe because he—the last time he had COVID. It was a false negative. He tested, or a false positive. He tested negative three times. Got to coach the game. This time he's got symptoms, so he ain't coaching this game. Um, and will that affect the game? I already thought that it was too high a spread. Auburn is twenty-four and a half point underdog against Alabama, and I get, I get it. I, but I would bet against it if I was betting, um, and especially with Saban not. Not coaching, and we saw. Look, don't take away what a head coach being gone from a game can mean to a team. We saw it when Arkansas came in here. Arkansas was not the same team that just, you know, almost beat Auburn, almost beat LSU, got screwed by the refs both times as they, for some reason, are out to get Arkansas. I've I've been saying this, so I truly believe that Arkansas. If I'm Sam Pittman, I'm going, guys. I appreciate everything you're doing, but one day we're going to have a really good team. We're going to have a team that contends for the SEC West, and that year the karma will come back and help us. There's no way we could get screwed on all these calls, and then it continue. It, it'll be alright. I'm telling you. We'll, we'll get it back. And, and again, it goes back to Zook Luck that I talk about all the time. Ron Zook, unluckiest man in the world, right? Couldn't catch a break. So you find out you don't find out in one year whether you have Zook luck. You find out over over a period of time. And I don't I don't know if Sam Pittman has Zook luck. He may maybe he does, or maybe it's all getting to him this year, and then it'll be all right. But like Dan Mullen doesn't have Zook luck. He's got good luck. He, we had to come up with a name for that. Nick Luck? Maybe Saban Luck? Nick Luck? Nick Luck? I don't know. I got to work on that. Maybe by the last podcast I'll do it. All right, so let's talk about some of the games this week, and then we'll do three things, and then we'll get out of here. And uh, I have I have things to do. <laughs> Shockingly, number one, uh, the a game I'm looking forward to is Iowa State of Texas. It's a big game in the Big Twelve. Uh, Texas only a one point favorite, so that's totally a pick 'em game. I don't. I think I picked Texas. I did had to do my picks a little bit early. I think I picked Texas, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure who's going to win the game. Iowa State is uh, surprisingly – they really play well. Um, after that, didn't they open up with a loss or a near loss? I'm trying to remember. Did they lose to Arkansas State or somebody? I don't know. This this year is – I don't have to remember anymore. How about that? Notre Dame is a five-point favorite at North Carolina. I think this game is going to be fascinating – because North Carolina, you can't stop them. They've got two 800-yard rushers already. Uh, their offense is incredible. Uh, their defense is, great, is not great. Maybe Ian Book gets into the Heisman race with this game. I mean, he already – people were talking about him after the Clemson game, but he needs to put up a big stack game uh, and and win another game and to get into that mix. Right now, I don't see him in the mix. I think it's Trask, Jones, and then – I don't know who's third right now. With Fields turned the ball over a bunch in the last game and with uh, Trevor Lawrence not playing for three weeks, I'm not even sure who is third. Uh, maybe it is, uh, Ian Book. Maybe it is after this game. Florida, of course, a 23-and-a-half point favorite over Kentucky. I always get nervous about big spreads, and I think Tommy Tuberville, or as they pronounced him on real time the other day, Tommy Tuberville, because I don't, I don't think Bill Maher does a lot of uh, watching of college football. Um, I remember after they beat Florida, they were 18 point underdogs in in Auburn uh, in 0-1, and uh, he he brought it up and he was making a big deal about what the spread was. So the play players and coaches know what the spreads are. I'm I'm 100 convinced of that, and um, and I'd rather you be a three-point favorite, <laughs> you know, just so you would say, "Hey, guys, it's going to be a tough game." But they do know, believe me. Penn State two and a half over Michigan. Who in the world would have thought this would be a game between two crappy teams? But it is. Michigan had to rally to beat Rutgers in a two or three overtimes, right? Penn State has not won a game. That is the most amazing. The most amazing thing about this COVID college football season is that Penn State has not won a game and we are in late November and won a game it's amazing uh Vanderbilt getting 15 and a half against Missouri um you know they they, they move this game around I guess I don't I, I, I it's hard to it's hard to know what Vandy's going what is what they're going to show up with this week Uh, Auburn, we mentioned before, um, Mississippi State, nine-and-a-half point underdog against Ole Miss. I gave Mississippi State a lot of credit last week, and I was hoping they would win. And the only reason I was hoping they would win is then Georgia couldn't – you wouldn't be hearing all this, well, we got a quarterback now. We'd have beaten Florida if we had a quarterback. Well, you had a quarterback. You just didn't play him. But the point is you still were in a dogfight – with a team that has not won a lot of games this year, two, I believe. So don't tell me that you, you know, and and you can't run the ball all of a sudden. Don't tell me that this was this was a, a referendum on how you you really have the better team than Florida. Forget it. You got beat. You got beat pretty soundly. All right, your your quarterback warmed up but didn't play. That's that's on you. It's on you, Kirby Smart. Anyway, I think Mississippi will beat them pretty bad, to be honest with you. I still don't think Mississippi State can score with them. Um, and that, that goes back to a lot, of the, a lot of the way I feel about a lot of games this year. If you, teams that can really score – I feel this way about Florida, Kentucky. Teams that can really score are really hard to beat this year because you've got to, you can't lose serve. You've got to hold your serve. You've got to score when they score. And then you hope for a stop, one stop, and then just like the, the Texas a and florida game. They got the stop on the fumble by Malik Davis, and that allowed them to win the game. Um, LSU is a 14.5 point underdog against A&M. That, to me, is the bit lock bet of the week. There's That game's going to be tight, I promise you. Now, what will happen is somebody will run back a fumble in the last play and end up covering or... or I don't know, there's been a lot of bad beats this year. But I know A&M-LSU, and I know how that game always goes. And I know LSU's struggling, but, you know, I got a win last week. I will. That's where I would put my money. Not that I'm trying to encourage betting in any way, shape, or form. Certainly wouldn't want to go out having somebody say, well, my son bet on the game, and he's upset, and he lost money, and now the mobsters are at my door. No. I'm just telling you what I would do. And then Georgia, twenty-one and a half over South Carolina. I, uh, you know, this used to be a, a big game, but obviously with uh, the coaching change to South Carolina, I would think Georgia will stomp them. I, it might not be twenty-one bad. Um, and South Carolina will probably follow the Mississippi State plan, which is oh, here's how you stop the run and. Keep throwing those short passes, uh, which was it was amazing. How many, how many like eight yard passes Mississippi State threw in that game? It was it was a fun game to watch. though. I will say that. All right, so those are the spreads. Let's do three things for the last time.
1: It's time for three things.
0: All right, three things. Uh, on the penultimate podcast, one more to go. That'll be Tuesday. Today, I'm going to tell you about my three favorite Florida-Kentucky games. That's going to be a, a departure on three things. And just to, just to let you know ahead of time, I can't tell you the Doring's got a touchdown as one because I wasn't there. I wasn't covering the Gators then. I was a sports editor. And I'll never forget being in this room I'm in right now, which is the photo room, We listened to it on the radio because it wasn't on TV. Listening to it on the radio, and uh, the radio didn't come in great. You know, it was kind of fuzzy, and we're we're trying to. We couldn't understand what happened. And somebody said, "What happened?" I go, "I don't know, but I think the Gators just won the game," because Mick was was screaming, and you know how it was in the old days. Radios kind of came in fuzzy, and you couldn't really tell what he was saying. And then we had to. uh, you know, try to figure it out. We finally fi- figured it out. We had writers at the game. I, I wrote the headline that night. I was very proud of. Doring does it was the headline that day. i never forget. I remember a lot of the headlines I used to write in the old days. So I can't count that game. And um, I can't count the game where Florida beat Kentucky to win the SEC in 1984 uh, for the first time and obviously it was stripped later and the Florida players came off the field and they were throwing garbage at them and stuff like that and they didn't care because they'd done it. They'd finally done it and I'll remember because I was listening to the game and I'll never re- forget as long as I live, Norm Carlson was the color man at that time and uh, Adrian White picked off a pass to clinch the game and and, and Norm says, oh, Adrian, if you just if you knew what you just did, because it would, Florida had finally won the SEC, they go in the locker room, they give Galen Hall the job on a permanent basis, but I wasn't there for that, so I'm not going to count that one. I, I was not there for the 91 game where Florida clinched the SEC that counted. I was not there for that game. I was still sports editor. So I'm going to give you three games that were my favorites that I was at, and I'll start out. Was 65 to nothing, and you say, well, why would you pick a game like that? Well, that was the game where Jacko's Green ran back two punts, and and found that we found out later he had asthma, and that he could barely breathe at the end of the second punt return. There's still two of the most am- amazing punt returns uh, for touchdowns, and he could barely breathe, and he was telling guys, get off me, I can't breathe. Uh, but that was the game where Tim Couch ran the option, Bill Curry. Did not work out for them, but there was just there was something about that game where you just went, "Oh, this team is really something." Now I know they were coming off a year when they won, they played for the national title, but you didn't know if with the guys they lost, Chris Doring and guys like that, whether they were going to be a national title contender. But that was a game where you went, "Holy crap! If they got a team down, they're just going to destroy them. They're going to step in their neck and they're done." Uh, that's one reason it was one of my favorites. Another favorite was 2007. Uh, this was a lot of talk about Heisman with Tebow and Andre Woodson, who had, had, I think they had just beaten LSU, and it was a, a great game, back and forth, up and down the field. Both teams. Percy Harvin was unbelievable that night, and Florida ended up winning that game. I want to say it was like 45-30, but I don't. I don't have that right in front of me. But something like that, that was one of my favorite games. And then the 2014 game here that went triple overtime and Florida won, and um, that was the game where the clock went to zero and they Driscoll still got off a pass to Demarcus Robinson, and they complained, and the SEC told us, and for the first time we knew this, this is the first time anybody ever explained it to us, that the job of the referee – is to look at the clock. When it turns zero, you look down to see if the ball's been snapped. So you get an extra second. And we didn't know that until that explanation was given to us and worked out for the Gators, right? So those are my three favorites. Again, if I was counting all the favorites based on what happened in games, I I wasn't at those games, so I'm not going to declare them. Anyway – I probably bored you with that whole segment. So that'll do it for uh, the penultimate podcast. I'll be back Tuesday, uh, Robbie and I, and we'll we'll talk about the Kentucky game, and then we'll talk about some of our favorite stories since we've been sports writers here. At the Gainesville Sun. I'm hoping we'll have a lot of fun with it. I think we will. Um, and uh, I just want to make sure everybody has a great Thanksgiving. You know, it's it's easy to be Upset right now. We're we're still dealing with this COVID thing. Maybe you didn't like the result of the of the election, and that's got you down. Um, You know, I maybe you don't like what's going on in terms of uh, one guy not conceding. Maybe whatever. That's not that's my point is whichever side of the aisle you want to be on, there's probably some frustration. Frustration with the football season. Frustration with not being able to go to work. Frustration with not being able to go to restaurants the way you'd like to. I get all that. It has been rough, man. It has been a year we're never going to forget. We're going to look back on it one day and go, wow, I can't believe I made it through that year. But one thing that's important to remember is the virus doesn't know the calendar. The virus has no idea what our calendar is. This is something we invented or the Mayans invented. So just because we get into 2021 doesn't mean it's going to get any better. We just have to keep persevering and keep hanging in there and keep doing the right things until we get to a point where we're getting vaccines, where we're getting back to normal in our lives. Hopefully one day we get to back to normal. I don't, I can't promise you when that's going to be. But on this, either if you're listening today or you're listening tomorrow, or maybe you listen to it Friday, on Thanksgiving, the, the thing to be thankful for is that we, our families, most of all, we've gotten to know them all a little bit better, and that's been really cool. I've talked to a bunch of people who have said, man, you know, the coolest thing is I didn't know my son was blah, blah, blah. I didn't know my daughter like this, or I didn't, I didn't realize how funny she was. A lot of people have, have told me that, especially coaches. You know, so uh, appreciate your families, appreciate um, everything you do have, and everything that's going in the right direction in your lives. Appreciate the fact that we've had football. We don't know how much more we're going to get, but we've had it. We've had sports. Sports is just a distraction, but we've needed that distraction, and we appreciate. That they played the NBA playoffs, that they had the Major League Baseball playoffs. I'm still bitter about the Braves' loss. That they have played college football in the NFL. Sometimes we don't know how smart they're doing. They are doing it. Sometimes I sit there and like Pat Forty and I were talking about. I just think sometimes just shut it down. But they don't, and they keep going, and it gives me something to watch. And I love sports so much. That part of me is never going to change, peeps. I will love it till the day I die. All right? But just be thankful for the things that have been good in your life. Don't stress the things that have been bad. Everybody's had it bad. Nobody's had it great. Believe me. But all we can do is be thankful for what we do have, not for what we don't have. Okay? Until next time, Tuesday it'll be, Robbie and I will be coming in with the last podcast ever. Here at the Gainesville Sun Doesn't mean it'll be the last podcast peeps I can tell you There'll be one somewhere uh, But the last one of the Gainesville Sun Until then I'm Pat Dooley I'm the sports columnist of the Gainesville Sun For another four days Five days I think it is I am deep I'm way back And I am out of here